Come on, church. Let's lift him up this morning. There's nothing but the blood of Jesus. Wow. That's a great song, Chris. Chris Dabbs is with us today. Can we just thank him and the worship team? He's written some of my favorite songs like Hymn of Heaven and Another in the Fire and all those great songs. But, you know, maybe that term is unfamiliar to you, plead the blood of Jesus. Maybe you know about pleading the fifth, but you don't know about pleading the blood. And I can tell you it takes me back, it takes me back to old school prayers my parents prayed over us and that we prayed of our kids for their health or when we were dropping them off at public schools or when they were new drivers on the road, we would plead the blood of Jesus on them. And what that means is it's not, it's not a prayer of defeat. It's not a prayer of fear. It's not begging God to do something. What it is is activating our faith in what the cross of Christ did and what Jesus did through his sacrifice. And let me remind you what he did. In Isaiah 53, it says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes, by his blood, we are healed. I know there are needs in this room today. Maybe you have a need of healing, body, mind, or soul. Maybe you need strength for something. Maybe you need provision where there's lack. I don't know what it is, but we can activate our faith in what Jesus did on the cross today. If you have a need, just surrender, just give him a posture of surrender around the room today. We want to join our faith with yours. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the blood of Jesus. That is the most powerful change agent the world has ever seen. And it is active to meet our needs, to do what only you can do today, Lord for the prodigals that we're praying for that need to come home, for the sons and the daughters, for the relational issues, for the health issues, for those who need peace in their mind. Lord God, we thank you, Lord, that you paid the ultimate sacrifice on the cross so that you could redeem us and so that you could heal us and so that you could truly set us free. There is nothing but the blood of Jesus, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Can we thank God today? Awesome. While you have your hands together, let's give it up for those who are visiting with us for the first time. We are so excited that you're here today. We, um, we don't want you to feel new. We want you to be known. And um, in the seat back in front of you, there's a connection card. There's also a QR code. You can either do it the old-fashioned way or you can do it digitally. Fill that out and also take it to the Connection Center in the back. We want to put a gift in your hand just to thank you for coming and worshiping with us today. There's all different ways that you can get involved through our Connection Point classes, small groups, all of that. It really is. It may look like a big church, but it really feels like a small town. And we want to get to know you. We're so happy you're here. And you're here on Vision Sunday, which is the best time to be here. Um, it's going to be awesome. Why don't you turn around, give a few high fives, tell them welcome to Celebration Church. home. We're so glad you're with us for service today. We are thankful for a church that worships God in the area of giving. It's an important part in trusting him and allowing us to continue to reach people for Jesus. You can give by scanning the QR code in the seat back in front of you, by utilizing our Celebration Church app, or at our giving stations on your way out today. Now let's take a look at some exciting things happening at Celebration Church. Celebration men, mark your calendars for January 23rd and make plans to join us for Man Night. 
with special guest Chris Davenport, writer of Another in the Fire and Hymn of Heaven. It'll be a night you don't want to miss. Tickets are on sale now. Grab yours by visiting celebration.church slash man night. We are honored that you have chosen to be with us today. Stay up to date on everything happening at Celebration by connecting with us on social media or through our Celebration Church app. Good morning again, and of course we want to welcome those that are joining online, our online campuses, or one of our campuses, or maybe you're from our online congregation here in the area or around the world. Great to see you guys, as well as Mozambique and Italy. Come on, let's say hello to everybody joining us. Good to see you guys. And it's great to have Chris Davenport with us today, and then tomorrow night, come on guys, I need you to say this, man night. Tomorrow night. Now I've heard from a lot of you, in fact I've texted people. Oh, we're going to be there. I've got 10 guys from the office coming, and uh, yes, sir, we're looking forward to it. But we just don't sign up until we show up. I said, no, that ain't going to work. So we need you. If you can, please register today. We'll expect over 1,000 guys that will be here. We've got food doors open at 6 o'clock, and uh, we're going to have Chris back with us leading us in, in worship, and I'll be, I'll be yelling at you for about 30 minutes. And uh, No games are going on tomorrow night. Nothing is happening. If you want the Cowboys to win, you got to come tomorrow night. If you don't make this commitment, I'm just going to tell you, if you don't register now, the Cowboys will lose. And then if you're a 49er fan, the 49ers will lose if you don't register. Your team won't win if you don't register. Let me just tell you, I'll cover four teams today. And, uh, and the reason why the Giants, if you're a Giant fan, lost last night is because you didn't register. So if you want... You want restoration in their lives, why don't you sign up as well? So basically, you will win the Super Bowl if you sign up tomorrow uh, for tomorrow's man night, and that will be awesome. Looking forward to it. Again, tomorrow night, sign up today and uh, bring a friend, invite anyone and everyone that you can, and uh, we're looking forward to a, a great evening. Today, we are in a message that we're calling, of course, it's our Vision Sunday, and we're looking forward to just announcing to you vision and giving to you what, uh, well, I believe that the Lord has been giving to us over these 22 years, and that is a vision for your church. And we do what we do because of you. We do what we do because of your generosity, because of your prayers, and because of your amazing involvement. And we have had a great 22 years, but I really do believe we're just scratching the surface. I really do believe that. Come on, let's thank God for that. In fact, I always say, I believe that we've been doing what we've been doing for 22 years until some of y'all finally got here, and now we can go to the next level. Father, speak to us today, and Lord, I know that you're not just speaking to us as a church today, but you're also speaking to us as your sons and your daughters. Lord, we all want to be filled with vision, and Lord, we look to you, speak to us, and we thank you that, God, you're the God of vision. Thank you that you have a vision for each and every person here today, in Jesus' name, all of God's people said. Look at Proverbs 29. I want to get into it because I've got a lot to cover today. Proverbs chapter 29, it's, of course, the classic vision scripture. Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Now, I want you to notice something, a couple of thoughts here. One, it talks about the people, which means you have people. You have a family. You have maybe co-workers. Maybe, of course, you have a ministry. We all have a ministry. But the people that are in your life, because you don't have a vision, become unrestrained. See, you're not just carrying vision for yourself. You're carrying vision for other people. How you live and how you carry out the God vision for your life is going to determine what happens to those around you. One of the classic stories of vision and even the impact of your life and my life on people is when the Bible says they got news that Jesus had been resurrected and, and Peter and John, they begin to run to the tomb. And it says that John outruns Peter. Peter was a smoker. I really do believe that he was dealing with some post-smoking issues and cussing and drinking, you know, and uh, all of that to say Peter... 
Peter is behind. He's lagging behind John. John gets to the tomb first, but the Bible says he comes to the entrance of the tomb and he doesn't go in. He doesn't like dark places. But the reality is, is he doesn't step across. He doesn't go into where Jesus had been put. Peter finally huffing and puffing and blowing his house down finally gets there. And the Bible says he jumps or he walks past John, goes all the way into the tomb. Then John, following Peter, enters into the tomb. You see, I want you to see something. John did not go in except by the influence of Peter. And how you go and where you go is going to influence other people to go with you, even unconsciously. doesn't say that Peter turned to John and said, follow me, scaredy cat. Unconsciously, you and I affect people. And as you even walk out the vision that God has for you, you do not realize. I know we don't realize how, how many people are unconsciously influenced by what and where we go. And all of that is determined by vision. All of that has to do with vision. Where there is no vision. I want you to see the other aspect of this scripture. Where there's no vision, the people are understanding. That word there just simply means they come unglued. In other words, they fall apart. You know what holds you together? It's not discipline. It's not determination. It's not even strength, if you will, or attitude. It's vision. See, you and I, when we become unglued in our habits, in our in our ways, in our mouth, we have lost our vision. And happy, he goes on to say, happy are those who keep this law. I think happy are those who have vision. Because what happens in the law of vision comes restraint, comes order. So when you have that vision, whatever that vision, maybe you got a vision to have a new body by the end of 2023. Now, some of y'all, you had it back at the end of the year, and you put that picture up on the refrigerator. I don't know who it was. And every time you'd go to the refrigerator to have another bite of Chunky Monkey, you had to look past the vision of whatever might have been on that wall. And then, well, without that vision, you took her down finally. <laughs> or you took him down, and you said, the heck with it. I'm going to be me. And me is just growing and growing and increasing. And then... And then you see where you've got a cruise coming up or you've got a beach trip coming up. And then guess what? you got a vision. You had a vision of you on the beach eating Chunky Monkey. And you know if you don't get that vision back, you know if you don't begin to put back in front of you a vision, you know that it's not going to be a pretty picture on the beach. And then you stay inside in your blue jeans all day long. The reality is it's vision that brings us back together again. It's vision that causes us to make right decisions. I think about a couple of thoughts. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, in this light, it says that we fix our eyes on Jesus. There's a vision thought. The author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him endured the cross, endured the suffering, endured the pain, the grief. In other words, it was because of the vision that allowed him to go through the pain, to go through the grief. What was the ultimate vision of God? Having many sons and daughters saved. Having sons and daughters conformed into the image and the likeness of Christ. What Jesus endured was, of course, for the vision of you being in heaven, having his family together. And he goes, I was able to go through the shame. I was able to go through the rejection. I was able to handle every ups and downs, every rise and fall, because I had a vision. A couple of thoughts I think about when I think about vision, how vision is likened to glue in the sense that it brings us life. It, it brings us always this attitude. I can't die yet. i got something to do. You know, the great Paul Bear Bryant died just relatively days, months after his last football game that he coached. And many say he did not have anything to look forward to. And so I think vision, number one, brings you and I life. It brings something to look forward to. We don't let death come into our lives. We keep going forward. Another thought is dynamic. 
I think that when you and I have vision, we have energy. There's a dynamic to life. There's something that keeps you moving. It's something that just keeps you active. You just don't want to get old in your thinking. Come on, somebody. You ever met people that have been old since they were 30? (laughs) Dressed old, acted old. And I think a lot of times is the reason why they were old even when they were young is they were around old people. People often say, Pastor Joe, why do you do what you do around this church? It's because we don't, we don't want to get old. We've got a generation to fight for. The next generation needs to be set up for the win. You see, the older we get, yeah, we can thank God for that. The older we get, the more we begin to realize. Another aspect of vision is that it is responsibility. Responsibility comes with vision. Because vision, when it's truly a God vision, didn't come from you. It came from God. God is the giver of the vision. God is the giver. It's real. This is, this is not something that we make up. It's not even something that you and I wish for. It's something that I believe when God made you, He made you after He had the vision for your life. He made you created you, formed you to fulfill the vision. So before you were born, he had the vision. And when you understand this, when this light bulb turns on, when this begins to come to your life, all of a sudden now there comes this life, there comes this dynamic, there comes a responsibility to fulfill the vision of God. I was playing golf yesterday, and... uh, I was playing with a friend, a new friend. I just met him for the first time. And uh, after I had double bogeyed a couple of holes, he asked me an incredible question. And uh, you're thinking, well, maybe he asked, did you ever think you'd play pro golf? No, that was not the question. (laughs) Maybe it was because he, after watching a couple of my swings, he did ask me this question. It was penetrating because it kind of caught me off guard. He goes, do you have any regrets? I said, about the last golf hole you're talking about? Yeah. Shouldn't have hit that club. He goes, no, about your life. And he knew that I was a pastor. He may may in fact be here today. I said, absolutely not. No regrets. Because I know I'm in the God vision, specifically for my life. But I also know that my vision, or obeying the vision that God created me for, has brought other people into the vision of God. So I have no regrets. I absolutely would not do it again, specifically is what he asked me. Would you do it again? I really think that if I were to ask many of you, if you could do something differently, would you do something over? I think probably in most cases it would be a yes. Instead of trying to fulfill my vision or even a selfish vision, I would first want to be aware that I am fulfilling God's vision for my life. And that comes down to what you and I have to know. And that is, what is God telling us to do? What is the vision that God has for us? You know the word as it relates to vision. And when Jesus healed a man, the the only time that Jesus healed a man twice of the same issue was the vision issue. Remember when he touched the man who was blind and he says, what do you see? And he goes, well, I see men like trees walking. Then Jesus touched him again. In other words, I think there's a couple thoughts there. I think, number one, Jesus is saying, it's important for you to get your vision right. Lest you go through life seeing men like trees walking. In other words, you're seeing something, but it's blurry. You're not seeing specific. You're not seeing details. That's where I think the dynamic or the energy of life comes from. In fact, I think that's what happens the longer you live in God, the more you walk with God the more you begin to get into more and more clarity as to what you're on this planet to do. And hopefully you don't get that at the end, but that you get that as early as possible. I think another glue of vision is that we have an incentive. Many of us, and of course I think all of us, we need incentives. We we need something to know that at the end of this road, there's going to be a fulfillment. There's there's a benefit. And the Bible says it in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. You must believe that God is a what? He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. In other words, God has an incentive for us. It's the reward of God. And you must believe that He enjoys rewarding you or incentivizing you to continue in your walk with God. 
in your continue in your trust of God, your continue in the Word. And then I think another aspect of vision, it's, it's another thing that keeps us glued, if you will, and that is that always when you know that you've got a vision fulfilled or to fulfill, it brings a prayer life to you. In other words, it brings you to your knees. How many remember the day your first child was born? And you know whether you physically did it or you proverbially did it or spiritually that you, you hit your knees. Oh, God, I don't know how to raise a child. Does anybody know how to raise a child when you first got that child? No one knows how to raise a child. No one knows. And that's why you go, God, you have just given me a vision. You have just given me this child. You've just given me this responsibility. Now, God, I need you. I need you to help me. I, I need you to lead me and, and guide me. I need you to bring mother-in-laws around us in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and so I think that today as we talk about vision, I want to ask you, do you know what your vision is? Do you come to this understanding like Paul the Apostle? Paul, the Bible says, while he was out of control and just breathing threats and murders against the church and the disciples of Christ in Acts chapter 9, the Bible says as he was asking for permission to continue to travel and go find people who were belonging to the way, both men and women, that he would bring them bound back to Jerusalem. While traveling, it happened. While in this condition of heart, this condition of attitude, but really you could say why he was out of control, he was visionless. Oh, no, he had, a, he had a vision for religion, but he was visionless because he had not had a vision from God. And the Bible says as he was traveling, this is what happened to him as he was approaching Damascus, suddenly a vision. A light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground, and in that light was a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you doing this to me? He said, well, who are you? Are you the Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are doing this to. It's me, Saul, that you're kicking. It's me that you're attacking. It's me that you're murdering. It's me. This is me. And I think that's probably more than anything else what caused Paul for the rest of his life to be who he was. He saw Jesus in the vision. But get up into the city and it will be told you what you must do there. I'm not going to tell you until you take the first step. See, many of you, and this is where I want to start landing around today, where are we going as a church? He told Saul, I am going to tell you what you are going to do, but not until you get in the city wherewith I have called you to. There in the city you will see more. Why are you in Austin? Grandkids? Job? Work opportunities? Light traffic? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I really want to come down to this place. Why are you in this city? And I really do believe, like he said to Saul, who became Paul, I'm bringing you to this city because I have a vision. I have a vision for this city. I have a vision for this city, but the vision includes you. And in you, this city will be blessed. Because of you, the city will be blessed. And when I think about Celebration Church, this is how Lori and I, it was in, of course, March of 2000. For those that have never heard the story, it's important because, let me say this. Two weeks ago, in fact, even right now, we're probably, I know we're up about 54% at this one campus alone, Westinghouse campus. There were 2,500 new people in service two weekends ago. In fact, it may happen again, it looks like this weekend. We're probably about 3,000 more people, including children, new in our building from the year previous, the exact same weekend. What does that mean? What does that signify? What is the indication? What is God trying to say to us collectively? Why are you in this city? But more specifically, why are you in this church? So 20, 
Two years ago, Lori and I were living in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and we had incredible ministry and traveling full-time at this time in 19, well, from, from our marriage in 1990 until now 2000, living in Louisiana and traveling and pastoring. And, but we knew something was more. We knew that there had to be, in fact, just began to sense the Lord was preparing us to move. And on a Sunday morning, while I was getting ready to preach at a church, Lori was home with our third baby at that time, and the words came, Ten letters, ten letters, three words, it is Austin. And I knew immediately from the front row of that church that in those words was a city. It is Austin. God gave me the vision in those words that we were going to be moving to Austin, Texas. And I would get on the phone immediately driving out of the parking lot of that church. I was still on the parking lot of that church with a brick phone about that big back in the day. And I said, Lori, it's Austin. And she said to me, I had the same exact experience here this morning. Austin had never been a city we ever thought about. Austin is a city that we had never been to. It Literally, when I tell you, everything that you're sitting in and sitting on, including this property of 110 acres, is literally out of vision. It's certainly not out of smarts because Lori and I, Went to LSU. It's certainly not that. And I went there on a football scholarship. <laughs> I did not go there to learn. They got a dumb, bad football player. <laughs> the truth is, my life was changed by a vision. Prior to that, January the 10th, 1987, vision. Sitting on a deer stand, I had a vision. I had a vision of Christ. Let your husband go. You never know what God is going to do in his life. Where are my men at? See, if you come tomorrow night, God's going to allow you to hunt more. I can promise you. So I, January the 10th, 1987, have this vision. Go back to LSU. Know that I'm called to minister. Lori and I get married in 1990. Now we're 2000. We have this vision. It is Austin. And some five months later, some 50 days after we arrive, we start church October the 1st of that same year of 2000. Didn't know a single person, never been to this city. But all we knew was that our prayer was, Lord, you tell us what city to go to. And from that city, we know you'll give us more information. And we started the church with a really sad start. But you don't despise the day of small beginnings. And we, with our 54 first people that showed up in that Austin, actually in that Round Rock library in downtown Round Rock, 54 people showed up. 50 of them went back to Louisiana because those that just arrived to help us. <laughs> Two of our kids left the church that day after they saw how sad it was, joined another church. But we just kept going. We were glued when it didn't look like there was no glue. See, the law of God is spirit, soul, and body. It's not body, soul, and spirit. See, God never puts body, soul, and spirit. He puts spirit, soul, and body. Why is that the order of God from the Scripture? It's first in the spirit. So it then becomes real in the body. See, many of us want it to be in the body. And then in the spirit, God says, no, 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 no. It starts in the vision. It starts in your spirit. It starts with what you see, and that's not necessarily naturalized. And what we saw when we moved here was that we would have three primary distinctions. Number one, that we wanted to connect people to Christ. Number one, connecting people to Christ. Number two, connecting people to church. And number three, connecting people to their calling. Because I really do believe, number one, it all starts with do you see who Jesus is? Church has become a lot of things, and oftentimes it's become everything but Jesus. It's become everything but Christ. It's become a motivational center, an inspirational center. It's become, if you will, an educational center. It's become a social center, a music center. But the center of it all has to be Jesus. Saul said, I became who I was because I saw Jesus. He is the supreme. He is the end of it all. 
He is why you exist, why this church exists, why all creation exists. God has given all things to His Son. And all things will end at His Son's feet. And you will be judged and I will be judged according to the revelation and the obedience of Christ in our lives. Number two, God then says, but I want myself to be known in the earth through the church. It's the body of Christ. The body of Jesus on the planet is the church. And the Bible says that when you and I begin to understand that we are not just coming to a building. In fact, it's not a building that we're coming to. It's the body of Christ that we're coming to. And then we begin to see that why do we need our calling? Because it's the personal callings of each individual. When you come to the body, you functioning in your God-given vision, your God-given call, causes growth for the church in the earth. And that's why he prayed that you would be one. That's why he prayed that you and I would be in love with one another so that the world would see in our collective nature his glory. In a world that has lost its brains and its mind. How many would agree with It's unreal what we're seeing. It's unreal what we're hearing on a daily basis. The most sane place on the planet should be the church. And we came here with, of course, to connect you to Christ, connect you to the church. To connect you to your calling. That is what we're existing to do. How do we do that? And here's the three that I want to talk about today. Two primarily. Today I want to talk about the college. I want to talk about campuses. And then I want to talk about community. Three C's. When we moved here, we saw that there would be not just a church that would reach the world. But that we came here with a real understanding that one day God was going to use us in the area or in the realm which is biblical of education. The more that we see our world going in the direction that it's going in. Education is going to have to be taken back by God's people. Education is going to have to be taken back. To whom is the educator of us all? And then specifically, I want to talk about news that we want to announce to you today as it relates to our college and what we have to expose to you today in the form of new news, our university. I want you to watch this short video. I think there's a lot of fear in the colleges and the universities today a fear of of making waves, a fear of causing conflict or misunderstanding. We don't need to be afraid. We have an opportunity to bring boldness back to the students of this generation. I believe yet that Jesus Christ is going to turn things about and so move nations and generals and presidents and kings over the earth that the gospel of Christ will yet get into these places where it's been shut out. When you consider your success, what do you see? Is it financial freedom for your family and for the generations that come behind you? Is it being an innovator, a change catalyst in the marketplace? Or maybe you want more than success. You want significance. You don't want to just expand your bank account. You want to populate heaven, to make your marketplace your mission field. What if there's a way to be a leader who lives with eternal purpose while making an impact right here, right now? What if we told you that there was a training ground for the leaders of tomorrow while getting hands-on training from the greatest leaders of today? A place where we weren't only seeing pastors, ministers, and missionaries equipped with a biblical-centered worldview, but where leaders in every area of business were able to receive world-class training and be equipped to stand out in their business professions while being able to stand up for God. In the world we live in today, we need a biblical worldview training ground that will deploy leaders beyond the walls of the church and into every sphere of influence. Meet Austin Christian University. ACU is more, more than traditional seminary offering business programs and more than a traditional four-year university. ACU is a unique, modern solution to building the next generation of transformational leaders, empowering students with elite, innovative, competitive business education in a faith-based setting. Sat in the heart of the Austin Metroplex, 
ACU students have access to one-of-its-kind toolkit of resources from the businesses headquartered here to the influential leaders who call Austin home. Through our practicum and master classes, students will gain hands-on experience that prepares them for the challenges and opportunities in today's marketplace. What starts here won't just change the world, it will change eternity. Here is Austin Christian University. Hey, I want you to welcome our president, Connor Champion, here today. Thank you. So, Connor, you went to Mississippi State, and then you began a football career. You were going to be a football coach. I don't know where that came from, but uh, you were at Mississippi State. You were at Houston. You went to Arizona State. And, um, and then God, in one aspect, you were, you were brought here to go to Baylor. The thought was that you would potentially go to work for Baylor University coaching football, and then God shut the door, it seemed as though. It seemed like all of those doors were shut to bring you to this moment, and now leading what has just been announced for the first time, Austin Christian University. Are you surprised that you're standing on this platform, and what do you see for Austin Christian University? Yeah, I mean, I am surprised because I wasn't a great student. I, I got it from him, um, but... <laughs> You know, but I've always, I've loved to learn, and, I, and I've, I think that this is very similar to coaching in the sense that we're recruiting, we're developing, and we're, you know, we're pushing the next generation to be the very best versions of themselves. And so what we see for Austin Christian University is, is a school that can, you know, change the world, and, and we're really excited for what's to come. Why, and what will be our angle? What do you feel would be the difference maker for ACU? What are we going to be doing that no other school is doing in the country? Yeah, so I would say the majority of the parents in this room, if you, if you are a parent, you're, you're concerned. And I think everybody in this room has some level of concern for where the education system is. And you don't want to instill biblical beliefs and you, this, you're rooted in the local church and you send your kid off for the sake of education just to be mocked for your faith. And so we see an elite education, you know, this isn't for everybody, but we see an elite education that can stand on biblical worldview. Yeah. What we're also doing is taking leaders, not just in the academic world, but leaders from the business world in our church yeah. that we want to incorporate so that when someone comes to ACU, and they can start as a freshman, correct? Yep. And um, what we want them to be involved in, of course, is not only being equipped with the Word of God, but, but by being equipped to go into the marketplace and to make a difference there biblically. Yeah. Would you say then to the parents, um, they're looking at this, maybe this is an option for their kids. Why? Why should they do this versus going to UT, going right. to one of the other schools that we have here in the area? Yeah, I mean, we do have an elite, this is an elite education, and we have elite professors, and, and many of them are executives at the top companies in the world that are now here in Austin, mm -hmm. and uh, even, even some of the people that we bring in, like a John Maxwell or a Dave Ramsey, those are people that are going to be speaking into the college on a regular basis, mm -hmm. and so we do have all of that. But we know that in Proverbs, it, it talks about the beginning of wisdom is a fear of the Lord. And before we do anything practically, our students are going to have that instilled. And they're going to be equipped and they're going to be trained to have a theology that they can carry into any uh, sector that they work in. Um, talk about the accreditation. Where will we be? And will we be accredited? Or is this just our own little world? Yeah. Because that's a reality. Papers talk. Right. And that's the truth. Yeah, we are, this is a fully accredited uh, degree that you will be granted whenever you graduate from ACU from, from year one. Yeah. Um, so through, through our partnership, we have partnerships with uh, Southeastern University and with Dallas Baptist University, but we're on our own um, journey of accreditation that we're really excited about. We've built an incredible team and working with some of the leading Bible college presidents in the country to make sure that this is uh, top of the line. Yeah. So today, if they want to find out more about ACU, which is cool, because we didn't think we would even get that name, yeah. did we? Talk no. about that. No, that was supposed to be a five-year process. Again, everything that is happening, and we, we knew that this would be the case, because whenever God calls you to do something, you know, he always goes before you. And so even from the name to the staff to the people that have come from around the country, I mean... It's, a, it's been one God thing after yeah. another, including and Austin Christian University. Because we didn't want Celebration Christian University yeah. because it does right. limit 
the scope of, yeah. of reach. But and, to, and I would say to that, I, I think the, the purpose behind that name is so that way everybody in this room, if you know somebody in Austin and you're thinking, okay, that person doesn't go to our church, but I do think that they would maybe have a kid that's interested or you know, you know somebody that could be interested, invite them. And we have partnerships with churches in the area that, you know, maybe you're at a church uh, down the road. Like, we want that student to come here, and they can still attend that church. But um, we're, sure. we're excited. Your vision for this first fall school year is what? How many students are we? Yeah, so, again, this is it's a really great education, but it's 60 students capped uh, in year one. Uh, we will be having an evening program, but that 60 students is 18 to 24 they will be living in full-time uh, apartment-style living. Which we've secured here with which the complex? Or we're, that's in the we're not announcing that yet, okay, but... sorry. That's okay. Let's just say that there's a really good chance that it'll be walking distance and we have a great or partnership coming. Because yeah. we're going to set up tents. Yeah. There'll be tents right. somewhere right. over this yes. way. Yes, elite. Elite tents. <laughs> elite. Austin Christian University yes. tents. Yes. Be fantastic. And we don't want, and nor are we wise into going out to saying we're going to be a school that's going to have in the first year a thousand. We really want right. to measure our expectations, but we also want to get it right. Yes. And um, so today, if they're interested in learning about ACU, where do they go? Yeah, meet me in the booth. We're going to have our team. I'll be out there in the booth, um, or you can go to austinchristianuniversity.org. Well, Lord, you care about the next generation of leaders. And God, we do believe we have to be in this space. If there's going to be a country, if there's going to be in this country leaders, Lord, they've got to come from the source of strength, the source of wisdom, which is you. And Lord, when we see the stories of how many historic colleges that started with you, the Harvards, the Yales, they started out of theology. They started out of biblical literacy. Today, Lord, we have education that is about driving out biblical literacy. In fact, people exist to remove the Bible even in universities and colleges and even in high schools and elementary schools. God, we're literally watching the replacement of what made this country and even what makes a country. God, we're watching it being replaced with the wisdom of this world. God, lead us, guide us, help us. And Lord, like it was when we started this church 22 years ago, Lord, I know it was small. But God, you're the God who takes small things. And when you're in it, nothing remains small. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. It was what we believed was one of the reasons why we came to Austin, is that we would not just have a church that would reach the world starting in Austin, but that we would be a part of the education of the next generation. I do believe that the buildings that will be on this property, the remaining acreage that we have to build, will be probably filled with schools, with educating, and I'm believing the Lord for just His wisdom and His guidance and His counsel. I'm also asked by many of you, what is the next vision or what is your vision for whether it's elementary or high school? And that is something we're also praying hard about because we also know that there's just even with great men and women in the public school system. And we have a lot of teachers, a lot of administrators are in the public school system. How many are thankful for our godly men and women? But we know that hands are tied. And so we are asking the Lord for his angle, for his, his thoughts, for his mind, for his, for his desires. So be in prayer with us about that. So education, college, the university. Here's the second thing I want to talk about before we go today, and that is campuses. As we have seen the Lord continue to bless here to this main campus, our Westinghouse campus, if you will, and now we have our central Austin campus. And by the way, they've up to about 50-some-odd percent in growth as well this year. We're right now driving as we speak around this city on a daily basis. I can't announce where we've already bought property, but we recently purchased 13 acres. And we're in the process of how that's all going to work and when that's going to work. 
but we are literally driving around looking for pieces of property. We're looking for buildings because we have so many people that are coming from every region of this area. And so one of the things that we've already started doing, our Liberty Hill Leander campus, I want to announce to you today, is about to come to pass, somebody. And if you're from the Liberty Hill Leander area, we already have started a sign-up. People are collecting. We've got, I don't know, close to 1,000 or 1,500 families that attend Celebration Church from Leander and Liberty Hill alone. Another 1,000 that come from Cedar Park. And so even yesterday, I'm riding up and down asking God, Lord, give us a place. You are in the real estate business, Lord. You have shown yourself to be the great real estate agent. And one of the things, and the first thing that we want to do is begin to plant our next plant. We want to announce will be in Liberty Hill, Leander, this coming fall. What does that mean? For some of you in Liberty Hill, Leander, Cedar Park, maybe you're coming as far away as Marble Falls or Burn It. You can be a part of that launch if you so choose. We have in the concourse today an opportunity for you to sign up. We have these cards available with a QR code. And if you want to learn more about how you might be involved in the next campus, but that's not just where we're going next. We're also right now looking at property in Hutto. We're looking at property as Samsung and all of the development that's coming in that area. $200 billion worth of announced buildings that will be coming. We know that that is another area that we need to go. We know in Pflugerville, we have hundreds and hundreds of families that are coming from the Pflugerville area. We believe that we, in our strength, are able to now secure and even begin to go into these areas. We've got an interest meeting that we've got coming up, and I'm not going to announce it because we don't know how many we're going to be able to hold, but in the Lakeway area. We've had many families recently come to us saying, where can we find celebration in the Lakeway area? And so I'm going to go and I'm going to meet, just to be very honest with you. We're meeting with families, and this is happening now. We're seemingly at a season and a time in the church's life that we need to be very proactive about the campuses to come. But every campus, guys, I want to announce to you, every campus has to have certain things in order for the campus to come to pass. Of course, number one, it's got to have a location. Number two, it's going to have to have a campus pastor with campus leadership. Number three, it's going to have to have worship leader and worship leadership. Another one, of course, children, leading the children, the teams, a children's pastor. We're going to have to have production teams. We've got to have dream teams that pull it all together like we do here every weekend. Of course, finances. Many of you, you'll never go to another campus. We have a friend who has a dog, and that dog is what we call a one-owner dog. If you try to touch that dog, it's going to bite you. If the husband tries to touch that dog, it's going to bite the husband. The kids cannot touch that dog. That dog is loyal to one owner, to one person, and that person is Barbara. I know many of you have that mindset. Pastor Joe, you're the dog. <laughs> we're the owner. And you are where you are is where we're going to be. I get that. But what I need you to do is say, okay, if this is going to be my campus, and no matter where you are, Pastor Joe, that's where I'll be. I get that. I understand how that works. But I'm also asking you to pray about, and I'm not asking you what to give. I just ask you to pray what to give. Ask the Lord. But we would love to see the finances come so that when buildings and property come available, we're able to move faster. I do believe with the economic downturn that we're seeing right now, we're poised to step into some places. I'm really believing that the strength that all of a sudden, and this is what I was saying earlier, what's the reason? What is God doing? Why are we seeing a mass of people? And I think, I think a part of that, there's... Two thoughts. Number one, I think it's just because, because of remaining strong in the Scripture. Not to say no one else is. I'm just saying I think the stronger we are in Scripture, the more appealing we become even to a lost world. I think the more clear we are about Scripture, the more clear we are about who Christ is, about the fundamental truths of the Word of God. When Nehemiah went to Jerusalem after 123 years of ruin, the walls were broken down. And Nehemiah, who was a what? He was a wine taster. He was in charge of the wine list and the bourbon list for the king. Translation, he was from Louisiana. God sent him from Louisiana. <laughs> Read it. Last verse in chapter 1. I was a wine taster for the king. I tasted all of the wine. 
And it was that kind of man that God used to go to Jerusalem. And then the Bible says he wrote around the wall. And then in 53 days, he rebuilt the wall with, of course, wisdom, but with a dream team. And the Bible says in 53 days, the rebuilding of that wall brought back to Israel. Brought back to Israel clarity again. So what a broken wall means, what's in, what's out, you don't know. What's real, what's unreal, you don't know. What's true, what's false, you don't know. What's of God, what's not of God, you don't know. See, the broken wall stands for division. And when he rebuilt the wall, what was he doing? He was bringing back definitions. He was bringing back the definitions of God. How many know we need to bring back definitions of God? What is right, what is wrong? Not with criticism, not with judgmentalism, not with hatred. But with clarity. And in Nehemiah's day, that type in a picture, all we're doing as a church, all we want to do in our university is to bring back the healthy definitions of God's Word. And the more that we are rightly defined, the more that we bring back definition. Another angle is that it was a defense. The wall speaks of defense. In other words, it protected Israel from the enemies. The enemies could come in and go out. And do whatever they want to do. Not just physically, but spiritually as well. And then, of course, you've got definition. You've got defense. That third aspect of that wall is a demarcation line. And much of a, a division in the sense of this is, this is who we are. This is the line. This is our demarcation. And today, I want to just, in the last point, and I'm not going to go into it because of just for time. But the last one really does bring it all together, and the last C is community. I'll talk more about that next week. But I want you to leave today with this idea. Number one, it's, it's about the college. It's about the university. Number two, it's, it's about campuses. And then number three, it really happens because of community. If we're not a strong community of believers, I don't believe not just this vision will not come to pass, but the heart of God in the earth won't come to pass without strong local churches that are not just crowds, but they are a community of core people. One of the things I feel in my spirit is a resurgence and a strengthening as it relates to just continually say to you that one of the things I love about our church is that though it has thousands in it, I will not allow this church in its growth to lose its salt of community. Because what can happen in a large growing church is what often happens in a corporation. And that is the values and the systems that were once there begin to go out by the wayside. And then that Bible talks about the cares of this world beginning to choke. And then of course... It begins to choke out the life. And what I believe that God wants to do in our community, in this church, is that when you and I gather, we are gathering under the banner of Christ. I look out and I can tell you by name people that have come into this building who were lost, who were without God, and came into this community. And as a result of coming into this community, are now sitting here as fully devoted followers of Christ. If you're a first-time guest, I want you to know something. We do not overlook your attendance here today. We do not want you to leave this place wondering, does anybody care if I ever come back? I'll be either standing at this door or I'll be standing here, but I want to say what I said a couple weeks ago. If I haven't met you yet, that's not on me. I need you to take that step out of your seat. And it's not just meeting me. It's about meeting people. It's about meeting our team, but it's also about meeting those that are sitting around you. I think about a man sitting right there, Art Bergman, sitting about four rows back, two rows in, seats in. He built our very first building when we built our first building back in 2005. And I met Art. He was the contractor. He was the manager of the construction company. When I met him, I said, oh, this is a tough nut to crack, but he is going to crack in Jesus' name. And in the process of time, by connecting to our community, he still sits in this building 
since 2005. Oh, he's a New Yorker, hard shell New Yorker. But he sits here today. We know his name. I know his story. Oh, it's not easy. It's been a tough life. It's tough. It's a journey. But he sits here. And it's not easy for many of you. But I want you to know something. When you're in this house, we're going to plead the blood of Jesus over you. When you're in this house, we're going to ask for his banner of love to be over you. When you're in this house, you're not going to be alone. You're not going to just be a number. You're going to be a part of this community. Your family, your friends will not be embarrassed when they come to this church. Oh, I know it's different from maybe a Catholic church or a Presbyterian church. I understand that a lot of already that you've experienced is something that you've never seen before. I know what that means. I know what that feels like. I walked into the church for the first time in my life with a friend of mine in Pensacola, Florida, a roommate who I played football with, and it was a full-on, full-go Pentecostal church. And when I say I saw a woman literally get knocked out, I watched her get knocked out. Because this one woman in all the glory of God, when it hit her, she started hitting the lady next to her and knocked her out. I saw police. I saw fire. I saw ambulances. I saw the Coast Guard. They came and they took this woman out by the stretcher. And I said, if I get out of this church alive, I will never come back. I'll never forget that. Now, that did not happen here today. And if it did, we're sorry. But what I do know, I walked out of there today, that day, though it was different. I walked out of there going, there was something real there. There's something God that I want. And I know God put a seed. He put a seed. I pray that a seed is dropped in you today. I pray that a seed that will connect you to one of our campuses or the next campus to come. Or this campus. I pray that there's a seed that will connect you to our university. Maybe it's going to be the sending of your son or your daughter in the years to come. Or maybe yourself. I pray that there's a seed in you when it comes to being a part of this community of of believers. This is not a church built on a platform. It is a church built on the cross of Christ. And God died to put this seed in you. That you were on this planet, but watch this, you are more specifically in the city for such a time as this. To change the city. Where do you do that? You do it for the body of Christ. In the city, Saul, I will tell you what you must do. Some of you don't like this city. I don't either. I didn't move here because I loved it. I moved here because I love God. Oh, I love people. I love everything that God is doing in this city. Don't get me wrong. But I love the vision. And today, before we go, there is a piece of paper. We want everybody on, this is a seed paper. Did everybody receive one coming in? Where can they receive these? On the way out. So when you walk out, here's what I want you to do. Before you leave today, these are seeds literally embedded in this piece of paper. We want you to write What do you believe in God for? What is the miracle that you need to see? Or what is the vision that you're believing God for? Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's somebody's name. But we want you to write a vision. We want you to write down something you want to see in this coming year. And we actually have planter boxes for you out there. And guess what? They're going to turn into flowers. I was hoping they'd turn into the vision that you would actually write onto the piece of paper. But I want you to stand to your feet today. I want to pray for you before we go. I want this church to be for you what God has always intended his church to be. His body on the planet. We are the body of Christ. And together, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the what? Salt of the earth. We are on this planet, not for ourselves, but to fulfill the vision that God has for us. He has a vision for you. 
I don't care if you're in Sun City, he's got a vision for you. I don't care if you are ready to quit and go home and be with Jesus. Even Paul the Apostle said, I'm ready to depart. But then he goes, but it's better that I stay because you guys need me. People need you. And the energy that maybe you don't have today, I'm going to pray that God gives it to you by way of his vision. The strength that you need today, I pray it comes to you by way of vision. People thought when I left LSU that I would go into football or that I would be a football coach like my father in the NFL. And I said to the Lord my last year, I said, God, if you'll call me into the ministry, it'll be more energizing to see people by the thousands go to the house of God than to see people by the thousands go and play a football game. This is a way bigger vision doing what I'm doing now than watching anybody play a football game. I can promise you that. And I, like Paul the Apostle, I want you to hear it, and Jesus said it. Oh, how I wish I could gather every single one of you into my hands or under my wings like a mother hen does her chicks so you can be connected to the vision of God. Can we just extend our hands to heaven? Nobody's going to knock anybody out here right now. But would you just extend your hands to heaven right now? Can we pray this prayer as a public and as a one family? Lord Jesus, I want your vision. Open my eyes. Cause me to see what you have for me. God, if you can do it for Saul, you can do it for me. I confess, I do not belong to myself. I died to the one who died for me. In Jesus' name, all of God's people says, amen. Amen.